As a, a preacher and proclaimer of the gospel, one of my duties as an under-shepherd is to warn of errors and dangers. As most of you know, my lovely wife and bride is from California. And that's where we met and got married. I finished my seminary there and was there for over a decade. We recently heard some very disturbing and grievous news about the governor of California, who is Governor Newsom. We have celebrated the victory of Roe versus Wade, no doubt, being overturned this year. Unfortunately, we know that now the battle has begun because the issue has been taken to the state level. The governor had billboards put up that basically invites anyone who wants an abortion to come to California. The billboards read, need an abortion? California is ready to help. Not only is he calling for the murder of babies, but the grievous part is that underneath those words, he puts these words of Jesus from Mark 12, 31, which is the great commandment, and it says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Absolutely unfathomable. This is blasphemy in its rawest form. The governor needs prayer. And unless he repents, he will likewise perish. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning with hearts that are heavy, hearts that are saddened in one sense as we think of the where a man's soul lies who is toying with the holy things of God. Speaking of giving up your children basically to the God of Moloch like they did in the Old Testament and then with the audacity to speak not any words, but to say the words of Jesus Christ about loving a neighbor. No such thing is even possible. 
Father, may you have mercy upon his soul. May you bring him to his knees. May you bring him to repentance and all of those who are even now contemplating and in the throes at the state, local levels, thinking about putting these and such laws into place. May you bless our time this morning as we look again in the little epistle of First John and we look at what it means to be a true believer versus a false one. May you open up your word even now to us and may your Holy Spirit rule and ride, rule and abide and reign even now. And we pray this all in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Today we will be continuing our study in 1 John. Remember we talked about a group of false teachers who had crept into the church. Does anybody remember who they were called? The Gnostics. Somebody was listening. The Gnostics. And for those, I spell that out. That word is G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. We said that the word Gnostic comes from the word which means knowledge. And they believed that they had a much deeper and more spiritual knowledge than anybody else. They were way up here, the high, high ones of their day, the religious day. So they knew more than even what the law of the scripture said. What I did not mention last week is that within this sect of Gnostics, there was a group called Docetists. D-O-C-E-T-I-S-T-S. -S. This came from the word which means to appear to be. This group believed that Jesus never really existed, but, but, but was more like a ghost who seemed to be human. Then there was another group who had an even more bizarre view of who Christ was. They believed that Christ was a man, no doubt, but they believed that his deity came on him when he was baptized and left him when he was crucified. Quite bizarre. Not only did they have the wrong view about Christ, but they also had the wrong view about sin. Just as a review, remember, they thought that anything in the body was what? evil or bad and anything in the spirit is good so they came up with the idea that what you did in the body had no effect on your spirit at all they believed that your spirit would be good no matter what you did in your body so it's almost like saying to the spirit we're good that's what you call a messed up neology, whatever sounds good to me. So they would say to the spirit, we're good, although I just went out and committed adultery or murdered someone, it doesn't matter, spirit, we're good. So my question is, what happens with the thing called 
your conscience. I guess in their skewed thinking, your your conscience was still good no matter how heinous of a sin you committed in your body. The big issue with the Gnostics is that they did not confess their sins. Did you get that? They did not confess their sins. The word confess means to say the same thing about sin that God does. If one does not say the same thing about sin that God does or confess his sin, then he cannot really say he is a Christian, can he? No. How would that be possible And one believed he was a so-called Christian? That is what you called deceived, my dear friends, with a capital D. This is why the apostle John was combating this false teaching and starts off his little epistle addressing this. Last week we looked at the the first four verses where John gave us five sure things about the word of law, life. We talked about how Christ and the gospel are true and steadfast from verse 1, how Christ and the gospel testify to the senses in verses 1 and 2, how Christ and the gospel are to be told from verse 3, and how Christ and the gospel bring true togetherness in verse 3. And how Christ and the gospel transform to joy in verse 4. Now we turn the corner a bit in verses 5 and 7 where John tells us how one can know if he or she is a real Christian or not. And I've entitled this message, Walking in the Light of Jesus. Let's read the passage. 1 John 1 starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So John wants us to know that a person can say they are a Christian all day long and say they are in fellowship with Christ. But the fact of the matter is that if they have never said the same thing that God says about sin, that person is not a Christian. No matter how much they say, say, say. Because God will someday say to them, nay, nay, nay. That is why I have to turn to a passage in Matthew 7. Turn there if you like. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, which I believe are some of the harshest words that Jesus ever spoke, where he says, not everyone who says to me, 
Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So back in First John, verses 5 through 7, First John talks about what I like to call the character of God in verse 5, and then he talks about the characteristics of Christians in verses 6 through 7. A believer's most basic relationship is with God and understanding who he is. That is why John says in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is what? Light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Once again, we are reminded of John's close interaction with Jesus because the message he is talking about is the message he and the other apostles received from Christ. And it was a message that they had heard firsthand. This wasn't something he was hearing about or somebody was telling him about. He knew because he was there with Jesus. Being that Jesus is God in human flesh, he and the apostles, more than anyone else, could speak about the character of God. So when John says here that God is light, this is somewhat of a very hard concept to understand. John does not say God is a light. He says God is light. Oftentimes we see God described in the Bible as light. The psalmist says in the very familiar psalm, Psalm 27, the Lord is my, what? Light and my salvation. The fact of the matter is that light and salvation go hand in hand. One truly cannot say that he is a believer unless he possesses one of the characteristics of the Father, which is light. So what do we mean that God is light? One of the best definitions is that God is divine truth. God is divine truth, and light is knowledge of the truth. So if we were to look at the definition using our head knowledge, we could say that light refers to truth, and looking at it from a moral point of view, we could say that light is speaking of holiness. In other words, we could say that light helps us to see that God is light and he is also holy. John ends verse 5 by adding the phrase, in him is no darkness at all. Beloved, there is no evil or sin at all. 
God is absolutely perfect. There is no stain or blemish in him. There is no uncleanness in him. There is nothing in him that can pollute the presence, the perfectness of his light. God is pure light. In the original language, it says, there is not a single bit of darkness in God. Psalm 36, 9 gives the best definition of divine light. Here the psalmist says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see life. We see light. In your light, we see light. The psalmist here uses something called Hebrew parallelism, where he uses two ways to say the same thing. Here the psalmist is speaking of God as light in a physical sense and God as light in a spiritual sense. God is light and life. The fact of the matter is that God is the one who gives us life and gives us light. And he also sustains our life and is, and is the sustainer of light. He is both creator and the one who creates. John illustrates his best in the gospel in the first chapter. He returned there in his gospel of John, starting in verse 1. All throughout this chapter, he talks about light and life. Gospel of John, starting at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the, flesh, the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John speaks, Jesus speaks of light and life again in John 8, 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We also see this in Proverbs 6.23 where the writer of Proverbs says, For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and, re and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. Light speaks of truth that is found in God's word. The psalmist says in Psalm 119.105, a very familiar passage, and I like the way the King James reads that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's almost like I can hear that humming in my head. My word is a lamp unto my feet. I don't know if you ever sang that, but 
that tune is incredible because it reminds us of Christ and the light in his word. The Bible also talks about how light should affect a Christian's behavior. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8 to 9, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So if one claims that he or she is a real Christian, they will have a love for the word of God and are striving to live a life of holiness and righteousness. If we say that God is light, then we will live in the truth of that light. We will live in truth and holiness. We know that one of God's attributes is that he is holy. We know that we can never be holy in the sense that he is perfectly holy. Peter says it best in 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, where he says, but the holy one who called you be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. First Corinthians six seventeen says, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. This means that all Christians are united to the Lord. So a pretty basic question, are Christians in the light or in darkness? Light, light, they're in light. Because who is light? God is light. It is, is it even a possibility for a Christian to be in darkness? No. Because there is no darkness in light. In other words, you can't be in darkness and light at the same time. You're either children of the light or you're children of darkness. That leads to the next section in verses 6 to 7, which talks about the characteristics of Christians. So John starts off this section with verse 6, which says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Some people have said this verse is saying that this refers to a Christian who is in the light but starts to walk in darkness. Friends, that is simply not true. Because there is no darkness in God. None. Nada. This is found throughout all the scriptures. Christians are in the light. And it is impossible for them to walk in darkness. Beloved, this is the whole of John's argument here. He is trying to make sure that you will know the true believer and the false ones. God is light and there is no darkness at all. So if you are a true believer and you are in him, you are in the light, not darkness. Someone will no doubtly, no doubtly say, what about when I sin? Then surely I have to be in darkness and not in the light. Friends, the wonderful thing is, is that you are still in the light. How many of you do not sin? I know I sin daily. When we say that someone is in the light, it is the same thing as saying that person is saved. 
If someone thinks that a Christian can be in darkness, then it is like saying that a person can be a believer and a non-believer at the same time, which is impossible. As the former president of my seminary says, a believer cannot walk in darkness because he is one with God, Christ, and the Spirit. God is light, and in him is no darkness. The question always comes, what about when I sin? When you sin, you sin in the backdrop of the light of Christ in God. And God will cleanse you of your sin. Positionally, we are cleansed, and no darkness can break through our fellowship with God. In other words, no darkness can get through the light of the word or the light of God, none. Yes, we do stumble and may do deeds of darkness, but it is done in the full light, and we are made clean because of the blood of, of Christ. The thing that we can be confident is that when we sin, Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Because of the blood of Christ, we are cleansed immediately. Practically speaking, there may be still some sins in our lives that need to be dealt with. This reminds me of what John writes in John 13 when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Starting in verse 6 through verse 13, which says, So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. You have to chuckle a little bit, Peter. First, because first he doesn't want the Lord to wash his feet at all. <laughs> then he goes from not wanting him to wash his feet to wanting a complete bath. And Jesus was letting him know that he did not need a bath because we received that as salvation when Christ atoned for all our sins, but only needs a feet washing or a foot washing. And that is why we all, and that is what we all need every day, because we pick up the dust and the grime of the day, and we all sin and need to ask for forgiveness and ask the Lord to cleanse us of our sins. So positionally, we are fully clean, but practically, we need to be cleansed daily. The wonderful part of all this is that Jesus' blood cleanses us such that no darkness can enter, can ever enter the light. That is pretty incredible to know that no matter what sin we may fall into as true Christians, we will never be in the darkness but be in the light because of the cleansing blood of Christ. So in God's eyes, he sees us as cleansed by the blood of Christ so that no darkness can go through the light. One commentator said it this way, you can almost say we are cleansed in anticipation that we will sin. If sin ever did emerge in the light, there would be darkness in it. And that can't be.
So in verses 6 and 7, we will look at those who say they're Christians, but not in those who, are, who truly are Christians. In verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So let's look at the whole idea of walking here. The word walk here speaks of someone who is continually in darkness. If this is the pattern of one's life, no matter what they say, they are not a Christian. Whatever claim they have on Christianity is a lie. A person who lives this way is living a life of sin and is not in the light. The person who is saying that he or she is all in with Christ is walking, no doubt, but they are walking down the wrong road. And in the words of John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, they are headed down the way of destruction. In other words, they are walking a continual pattern of darkness. One of my seminary professors said that the word walk here refers to a person's daily conduct of life in thought and deed. His whole life, inward and outward. This was the problem with the Gnostics. They claimed they were in the light, but were living sinful lives. They said that this had no impact on their spirits, although they were sinning with their bodies. What foolishness and folly. There are those today who think they are Christians and claim that they have a higher power and that they are very spiritual. And use religious terminology, but are no more saved than a block of wood. Now, let's look at the word darkness. In the original language, the phrase reads, in darkness we are walking. What you have to try to get in your mind is that the whole idea of darkness is completely opposite to how we talked about the character of God in verse 5. When we mention him being perfect, holy, blameless, and without sin or blemish, the word darkness has to do with sin, ignorance, impurity, deception, and error. You know, today, many in our society try to redefine sin by attaching such labels to it as disorders. Oftentimes, we hear mental disorders. It has always boggled my mind as to how one can claim to have a mental disorder, but yet plan and journal why you want to kill a group of people and map it out and carry it out exactly what they had written, but yet you are deemed as mental. Beloved, it is called S-I-N. It's sin. You know, many today claim they are believers, and a sure way to see if they are truly are Christians is to ask them a simple question such as, what is sin? If they can't articulate in any form or fashion that sin is a transgression of God's law, and if they give no indication that it is mourning over that which grieves God, are crying out to God for mercy to save them and turning from that which God hates and being shamed and feeling pain over that which offends God, then more than likely that person is not a true Christian. If they want to ignore, excuse, deny, or explain sin away, they are more than likely an unbeliever and not a Christian. A true believer hates sin and loves righteousness. 
That is why you know if someone never mentions the word sin and they are supposed to be a preacher of the gospel, such as Joel Osteen, a motivational speaker, he may be, but a preacher of the gospel, he is not. If a man never declares himself to be a sinner, then he will never have the proper view of God and what God requires of him to be saved. Instead of saying the same thing about his sin that God says, he denies it. The person John is talking about in verse 6 is the person who does not want to confess his sin, his or her sins, because they don't think they need to. They seem to be happy walking in darkness and think they are in fellowship with Christ. It's almost like they're saying, I know I sin a lot. I live a lifestyle that God hates or does not approve of. But I remember I made a profession. I walked down an aisle. So I'm good. If you walk in darkness and say those things, I don't know any other way to say it other than to say what the Bible says, and that is you are a liar. You're a liar. You may be a professor, but not a possessor. John says these are the ones who say they are in fellowship with Christ, but are truly not. They may be saying such things as, I know I'm a Christian. I believe what the Bible says and talk about Christ. Hey, I even post about my love for Christ on Facebook and Instagram. And all the while, living a sordid and debauched lifestyle. So the thing is, dear friends, it is not what one says, but what one does. If a believer is in true fellowship with Christ, he or she will show the characteristics of God that we talked about in verse 5. If you are truly in fellowship with Christ, your life will be marked by holiness. Holiness is so key to walking in the light of Christ. I remember when we first got married and I asked one of my godly professors what advice he could give to me to have a great marriage. And I thought he was going to go through a long laundry list of things, but he told me, live a life of holiness and everything else will fall underneath that umbrella such wise words, and it was great advice. One who says he or she is a believer but continually lives in a marked, lives a life marked by darkness, then John says, you are a liar, my friend. Mr. or Miss, if you are walking in a continual lifestyle and pattern of sin, you are deceived and not a Christian. If that is not you today, dear friend, cry if that is you today, dear friend, cry out to the Lord and beg him for mercy to save you. He can and he will. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. So a person who is truly in fellowship with Christ is in the light. Let's look at the word lie in verse 6. My seminary professor said that this, this about that word. He said this was a word that was used outside the New Testament in legal writings to denote a false statement made under oath. Another commentator says whenever there's a clear conflict between an individual's talk and his walk, it is always his walk and not his talk that reveals 
what he really is. The Apostle Paul says in the second part of 2 Corinthians 6, 14, what fellowship has light with darkness? The answer is absolutely none. You cannot have light and darkness together. So John is saying if you claim to be in the light and walk in darkness, you lie. So back to the end of verse 6 in 1 John 1, the King James Version reads, and do not the truth. This is in the present tense in the original. and should read, you are habitually not doing the truth. The word truth here refers to the gospel of the word of God. John is saying that those who walk in darkness do not the truth. Beloved, the truth is not something simply that one believes, but it is something that one does or acts upon. Let me say it another way. Salvation is not just saying you believe in Jesus Christ. Remember that James tells us in James 2.19 where he says, you believe that God is one. You do well. Who also believe? The demons also believe and shudder. So it is not just about saying that you believe. It is not a sad faith, but a real faith. So it is not just believing, but doing or living an obedient life as God has called us to live. If you say you are in fellowship with Christ, but are living a continuous sinful life, then you are a liar. Truth is something that should be practiced. James also says in James 1.22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. The sad thing is that many call themselves Christians but don't have a clue about anything in the Bible and have no regard whatsoever about the holiness of God and his word. And then John tells us how you can know one who is a true Christian in verse 7 where he says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The word walk in verse 7 refers to continuous action. This speaks more to one's character. The ones who are in the light are Christians. They take part in God's light and life, and there is no darkness in God. If you are a Christian, you are in the light. The phrase, as he himself is in the light, speaks to the fact that believers are to portray godliness and be Christ-like. God himself is light because he is, is uncreated light in and of himself. Next, we come to the phrase, we have fellowship with one another. Let's look at the term another. This word does not refer to other Christians, but God. If we look at the verse in its entirety, it says, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. Now for our grammar lesson. The word his modifies the word another, and the word another refers to God. So if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. This is really talking about our standing with God. If you are a believer, you are saved and in the light and therefore in the fellowship. So someone who walks in darkness can never be said to be in the fellowship. We know there is no darkness with God. If we are believers, we walk in the light and share the common life of God. In the original, the word fellowship here means partaker. So we are partakers with God and we have partnerships with one another. 
Believers can also have fellowship with other Christians, but ultimately this points to and is related to true fellowship with God. Question, when you get together with other Christians, are your conversations around Christ, heaven, the hope of glory, the gospel, the good deeds for the glory of Christ? Or does your conversation revolve mostly around things of the world such as TV, movie, music, sports, money, and possessions? John finishes his verse by talking about Christ's blood where he says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When John says Jesus, his son, he wants to again emphasize the fact that Jesus was not only God, but he was also a man. The fact of the matter is that the blood of Christ did not just cleanse us from some of our sins, but hallelujah, it cleansed us from how many? All our sins. The blood that Jesus shed on the cross is a symbol of death. Peter used this symbol in 1 Peter 1, 18-19, where he says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your future way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. On the cross, Christ's blood was shed for us. The blood that Jesus shed paid the price for our sins and was the cleansing agent, if you will, that washed them away. It was his sacrificial and vicarious death that paid the penalty for our sin and was symbolized by the shedding of his blood. One of the greatest, uh, I think, hymns that speaks of that is the hymn, Nothing But the Blood. And it says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not for good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll overcome. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll reach my home. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that chorus says, Oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So John ends his verse with cleansing us from all sin. The only way that a person can be cleansed from sin is that he or she must be walking in the light. If you are a Christian, then you are walking in the light and will have continual cleansing of all your sins. Beloved, the cleansing is ongoing. Even when we sin, we are still in the light because God deals with our sins instantly. Because we know that when we confess our sins, he cleanses us of our sins. I like the way one of my classmates in seminary said it. He said, walking in the light exposes the sin that infiltrates a true Christian's life. And Christ's blood immediately purifies and cleanses the child of God. That automatic cleansing is from God's perspective. This is to be sure, connected with the believer's perspective in verse 9, confession. And Lord willing, we will pick up there the next time, verses 8 through 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the light of Christ. May you help us to grasp that concept that we can never, as true believers, be in darkness, but we are always in the light of Christ. We pray that those who may be deceived and think they are Christian because they said a certain thing but are not walking in the truth of you, Christ. May they come to the point of repentance, begging you for mercy to save them. We love you and we bless you. May our lives magnify and exemplify all that we have learned and talked about even this hour. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.